We are in a new collection titled Names, and we're exploring the different Hebrew names of God found throughout the Old Testament. Last week, we talked about the name Yahweh and how God is actually not God's name. God is a title. It's a description of who God is, but God's name, his revealed name as in scripture is Yahweh or I am who I am. And our hope in this collection is that as we explore the different names of God, that we're going to come to discover who God really is and what he is actually like. Oftentimes we paint God in our own image Uh, with our own preferences, with our own political leanings, with our own desires. But God is his own person. And we have to approach him humbly and say, God, I want to know you. I don't want you just to be a mirror of who I am. Psalm 910 says, and those who know your name put their trust in you. There's a grace when we know the name of God to put our our trust and our heart and our hope in him. And so today we're going to continue that as we explore the name Jehovah-Ra. Now, Jehovah-Ra translates to the Lord is my shepherd. We find this name in one of the most famous Bible passages in all of the world, Psalm 23. Maybe if you uh, came from a family of faith, your grandma had a quilt of Psalm 23 up on the wall somewhere or a bumper sticker, right? The Lord is my shepherd. We're going to explore that today. Now, scholars theorize that they really think that King David was the one who, who most likely wrote Psalm 23 due to the imagery of shepherding and sheep that's sprinkled throughout. And David, having been a shepherd boy in his life, obviously knew a lot about this. Now, Psalm 23 is like one of those psalms. It's one of those Bible passages that are so popular and so familiar that oftentimes I feel like it's lost its power over us. And when something becomes so familiar, wonder is sucked out of it. And I think Psalm 23 is one of those um, classic Bible verses that has become so familiar that we kind of just gloss over it and say, hey, that's cute, that's nice, but we don't really see how powerful it really is. But if we were to really read it, like really understand it, really believe what it says, really let it sink into our souls, I really believe that Psalm 23 would transform our entire lives. And so to start today's message, I'm going to have us all close our eyes. And I'm going to read Psalm 23. And I'm going to read it as a prayer. But I want you to really listen. Listen to what the psalmist is saying. Listen to his description of Jehovah Ra, the Lord as our shepherd. Let's pray. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. I think um, as 
we're diving deeper into this name, Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. I think there are three things that we can draw here from Psalm 23 that'll teach us what it means to be led by the shepherd. And so we're going to dive into those three things. The first one is this, because God is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Look to your neighbor and say, I lack nothing. Another translation says, I shall not want. Honest question, when was the last time you truly felt no want? When was the last time you truly felt like you were lacking nothing? You know, the world is really good at making us feel lack. Um, there are these shoes that I, I saw on Instagram. Instagram's so good, isn't it? Like, they know exactly what you want. There's these shoes I saw on Instagram toward the end of last year that I really wanted. I went through hell and high water to, to cop these sneakers. I finally got them. And I was like, all right, I have enough shoes. I'm cool off, you know, buying shoes for a while. I got these shoes that I really wanted. I kid you not, later that night, another colorway released. And I was like, I need those. Why, when we're on social media, when we're watching TV, when we're with our friends, do we always feel like, I need something else? I need those clothes. I need that job. I need that car. I need that relationship. I need, I want, and we're always feeling lack. We're always feeling like we need more clothes, more money, more relationships, more experiences, more stamps on the passport, but we come to find it's never enough. I think someone uh, on Instagram shared that they're fasting shopping during Lent. And I thought that was brilliant. Because I think low-key, our generation's addicted to shopping on Amazon, on online, right? It's so easy. Ads, social media, entertainment, everywhere we look, the message that we're being fed is that we lack. We need more. It's not enough. And it's exhausting, always feeling like we need more. It's tiring going to bed every night unsatisfied. The psalmist here says, I lack nothing. But he says something in this next line that's profound. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, David knew a lot about sheep. This isn't a message about sheep. You know, I I hear a lot of pastors. I'm so over it. They preach messages about this saying, sheep are dumb animals. And it's like, You're insulting me right now. Like, I know I'm kind of dumb, but please don't insult me like that. No, this psalm is actually not about the sheep. It's about the shepherd. But what he says about the sheep is this. What's interesting about sheep is that the only way to make them lie down is by satisfying their stomachs. In other words, when sheep are hungry, they rarely lie down. Honestly, that sounds like me, right? And not just me. I would bet that most of us, We feel restless because we are unsatisfied. We lay awake in bed at night because we're thinking about all the things we wish we had that we don't or that we wish we would have done better but didn't. In other words, lack is the enemy of rest. And our constant feeling of lack keeps us from rest. Our constant craving for more keeps us up at night. Our souls are always searching for what the psalmist says are green pastures, a place where we can say, I'm full, I'm content, I have enough, I can finally rest. The problem is we're always looking for green pastures in the wrong places. 
We're looking for green pastures in our careers. We're looking for green pastures in our relationships. We're looking for green pastures in our finances. But the thing is this, as soon as we think we found green pastures, we realize there are even greener pastures over there. There are even greener pastures at that other company. There are greener pastures in this other relationship. There are greener pastures in the other city, New York. I'm just kidding. I I know I have beef with New York. You know this, but I love New York. This is not a slight on anyone. This is not a burn on you, Paulette. It's exhausting. It's never ending. But the psalmist found green pastures. He found it. In the good shepherd. It says in the next line, he leads me by quiet waters. You know, when I was uh, researching my sermon, um, I always find these really cool facts. Do you know what the most common cause of death in the desert is? You would think that it's dehydration, but it's not. The most common cause of death in deserts is actually drowning. Did you know that? See, even though it doesn't really rain in the desert, it does rain in the surrounding mountains nearby. And when those mountains cannot hold that water, they will actually flow downstream into these riverbeds in the desert and they get stuck there. And so what people will do, they'll see these water, the water, the residue that's coming down from the mountain in these waterbeds. And because of their thirst, they'll go down into these riverbeds to try to get water, not knowing that that water mixed with sand and dirt has actually created quick sand and they get stuck. And what happens oftentimes is these people will get caught in a flash flood. And sometimes up to 70 feet of water would fill that riverbed at once and they end up drowning. This is why people who live in the desert would tell you instead of getting water from these dangerous riverbeds, look for water from the springs, from the still or quiet waters not the rushing waters. There's no danger there. The psalmist says, he leads me by quiet waters. God, our shepherd, leads us by quiet waters. The question I was confronted with in preparing this is, how often do we try to quench our own thirst, our own way? Right? We think we're uh, the, the leaders of Sprite, right? Obey your thirst. We think we know what our souls are thirsting for and what can quench it. How often do we try to be the leaders of our own lives? When we do, we risk drowning. This is why it always feels, can you resonate with me? It feels, it literally feels like I'm drowning in my work, right? It feels like I'm drowning in my to-do list. I'm drowning in my ambitions. I'm drowning in my anxieties. I'm drowning in my dating apps. And we think we can figure it out on our own. We think we know what's best for our souls. But if life's taught me one thing, it is this. I need a shepherd. I need someone to show me the way of life. I need someone to guide me to living waters that quench my thirst. I need someone to lead me into the greener pastures that give me rest. And what the psalmist is saying, the shepherd knows. He knows what you need. He knows what you desire. He knows what will fulfill your soul. This is why he says, he refreshes my soul. Not success, not money, not sex, not popularity, not myself. God gives rest to our weary souls. The Hebrew word for soul here is nefesh, which means the totality of, of a human being, our minds, our bodies, our spirits, our emotions, 
our will. What the psalmist is saying, he refreshes the totality, the holistic part of my humanity. He understands and he refreshes it all. You know, sometimes our needs are physical. Sometimes they're emotional. Sometimes they're spiritual. Listen, sometimes I don't need you to pray for me. Sometimes I just need you to take me out to eat a really good meal. Sometimes I don't need you to actually lay your hands on me. Sometimes I need you to sit and listen to what I'm actually going through. And sometimes I don't need you to take me out partying. I need you to actually lay your hands on me and pray for me. We are holistic beings. And God isn't interested in partial restoration. He doesn't care only about your spiritual needs. He calls us to a fully integrated, fully embodied faith. His restoration is complete and holistic. The irony of all of this is many scholars believe that King David wrote this psalm not when he was a shepherd, but later in his life when he was a king during one of the most tumultuous periods in his life. It was when his son, his very own flesh and blood, was trying to overthrow him as king and take over the kingdom. Like, I can't even imagine if Zion grew up one day and, like, leads a revolution to overthrow me as pastor of the church. Like, that's, that's the equivalent of what it would be like. I mean, low-key, I would be a little happy, but no, no, no. That's your flesh and blood betraying you, coming against you. And David was forced to flee his kingdom, forced to leave his throne, forced to leave his home, stripped of everything. Yet in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all this difficulty, this is what he says. The Lord is my shepherd. I Lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. How powerful is that? That in the face of such opposition, in the face of such storms, he can say, I lack nothing. My soul is refreshed. I know I'm really plugging this. You would think that I'm a brand ambassador for this app called One Second Every Day. But I use this app every single day. And what I do is it, you literally capture one second of video every single day. And it compiles um, the entire video. So you can watch it at the end of the month, end of the week, end of the year. And I've been doing this uh, the entire year. And I kid you not, I'm not exaggerating when I say this. When the psalmist says, I lack nothing... The only time I feel that during the week is at the end of the day when I watch my one second everyday clip. And I realize, wow, I'm actually really rich. I mean, I'm, I'm broke as a pastor, but, but like, I'm rich. Like, my soul is so full. Life is so good. I am so thankful. And I think we need moments where we come back to that foundational truth that even though it looks like I'm lacking all around, in my good shepherd, I lack nothing. My soul is full. My soul is content. Listen, whatever you may be going through, whatever season you're in, remember the Lord is your shepherd. He is leading you to rest in green pastures. He is refreshing your soul because God is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, the second truth, because God is my shepherd, I fear nothing. It says he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. I, um, I always thought this was really weird because this is what's happening here. The psalmist says, God leads me along the right paths. But then literally in the next line, 
he finds himself in the darkest valley. Like, how do you reconcile that? God, you lead me on the right paths. And where you've led me to is the darkest valley. Right? Sometimes, sometimes the right paths in your life lead you through the darkest valley. There's this temptation to think that when we find ourselves going through hard seasons, that we're actually on the wrong path, that God is not near, that this isn't, he's not in this, that I'm not on the right path. Um, When we started our church at the end of 2018, by the way, we chose the worst time to, to start a church, honestly, because 2018 went by 2019. They said the first year is very much an anomaly. So you don't really know what the church is going to be like. Soon as we enter into our second year, uh, we were actually planning an Easter 2020 to do like a, like a, Hey, San Francisco, we're here kind of party, like really start advertising our church, letting the neighborhood know we're here. And, um, we had planned it for March, 2020. And then literally, uh, at the beginning of March, the pandemic hit and everything had to shut down. And, you know, I want to tell you, because, you know, I preached a lot of sermons during that time, like, hey, God's in this. We're good. Like, I'm really happy. No, I was like, God, did you really call us to plant a church? Like, I was so unsure. Like, I was like, God, are you really in this? Like, did you really, are you, are we being led by you? Because it feels like everything we're trying to do, we're throwing it up against a wall and we're hitting resistance. But I remember in the midst of that, The temptation was to feel like I'm on the wrong path, that God is no longer leading me, that I'm out on my own here to fend for myself, trying to figure this out, edit these long videos every week. It was was hell. But God reminded me, I'm still leading you, whether on the mountaintop or through the darkest valley. I am the good shepherd that is leading you. See, we forget that Jesus' glorious baptism, after that, It was the spirit of God that led him into the wilderness, 40 days, hungry, fasting. Sometimes God will lead us into the wilderness, lead us into the darkest valleys, not because he despises us or wants to see us suffer, but because he has something good for us on the other side. See, how many of you know that the Israelites needed to go through the wilderness to enter into the promised land? How many of you know that Jesus needed to go through the wilderness in order to step into his destiny? See, the wilderness is not the place that God leads us to die. It's the place God leads us to prepare propel us forward. It's the place God leads us to fulfill his promises over our lives. And this means when I'm in the darkest valley, I can trust that God is still leading me. It means when I lose my job, God is still leading me. When my girlfriend or boyfriend break up with me, God is still leading me through the highs and the lows, the ebbs and the flows. God is still leading me. And here's the promise. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. The promise isn't an easy, smooth, frictionless life. The promise is the good shepherd is with me. I don't fear not because I'm competent. I don't fear not because life is easy or life is smooth. I don't fear because the good shepherd is with me. As your pastor, as a preacher, I cannot guarantee that your life won't have more trials, more heartbreaks, more tragedy. And honestly, my heart breaks thinking about, you know, Zion right now. I can actually protect him. But I know there's coming a day where I won't be able to shield Zion from life. There will be pain. 
One day he'll get his heart broken. One day he's going to be sad. One day he's going to come up against trials that are too great for him. And I can't protect him from that, but I can promise you, I can promise him this, the good shepherd is always with you and he will never lead you astray. You know, I know I was joking about New York and, you know, LA and like, but, but part of me, like sometimes when people move away and like I hear just through the grapevine, they're not going to church anymore. They're, they're going through really difficult times. Um, sometimes like I, I feel anxious and like I feel concerned and I feel worried. But, but I remember when I go to prayer, I actually pray this psalm over people because I remember that the good shepherd has not abandoned them. The good shepherd is with them and will never lead them astray. And maybe you can resonate. Some of you, you have friends or family members or people that you love that are like just really going through the darkest valley. And there's this like temptation to be afraid. There's this temptation to worry about their well-being. And that's not to say we don't take responsibility and show up in their lives and love them. But it's all based on the foundation that we have a good shepherd. They have a good shepherd that is leading them, that is guiding them, that will not lead them astray. John 10, 3 to 4, Jesus, he talks a little more about this. He says, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. The shepherd has gone before us. He knows what's ahead. He's seen the road. He's tested the path. You know, we sang a song by Upper Room today, Good Shepherd. Your steps have tested the strength of the ground before me. When I was in Indonesia, um, a pastor was leading us into one of these remote villages. And it was literally the hardest commute I've ever done in my life. We were on these tiny little little motorbikes. And it had just rained. And so literally throughout the path, there was a four-hour motorcycle ride without any uh, hindrances, but every few feet of road, there was this thick, deep mud. And all they had over these, these like thick patches of mud were these like small two by four planks of wood. And we were literally biking on the planks of wood over this mud. And then there were moments where we actually had to get off the bike and like step through the mud. And there, if you stepped in the wrong place, like the mud came up above your knee. But I remember the pastor that was leading us, like he had done this like so many times. He actually went before us and he says, follow my steps. And so he would step in an area. If it was too deep, he'd come back out. But he'd step in an area where it was shallow and then he'd move on. And when we see his footprints, we would literally step where he had stepped so that we wouldn't fall into the mud. And that's the image that the psalmist is painting here. God has gone before us. He has stepped through every moment in your life. So every step you take, he has been there. Really think about this and let it sink in. There's no step that we could take that he hasn't already taken. There's no place where we could go that he hasn't already been. And because he's gone ahead of us, we can trust that every step we take is good and safe. We don't have to be afraid because our shepherd has gone before us. We can trust where he's leading us and we can trust that it's good. It goes on to say, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know, the feast often comes after the victory. 
right? You watch Game of Thrones, you watch the TV shows. No one's feasting in the middle of the war, right? The feast is for celebration. It's for victory after you've won. But the image that the psalmist paints here is God preparing a feast for you, master chef style, in the presence of your enemies. They haven't been vanquished yet. They're still facing you. They're still in your reality, in your periphery, yet God sets a table and a feast before you. It's it's as if he's saying to the faces of your enemies, hey, we've already won. It's as if he's telling them, we literally have nothing to fear from you, so much so that we could slowly enjoy a nice meal, have some nice wine, just chill, and eat this hot meal right in front of you. Now, I read this, and maybe you're like me, but like, I don't have a lot of enemies in my life. Like, do you guys have enemies? Is that a thing? I feel like I don't have enemies, like, right? So when I read this, it's hard for me to, like, resonate, right? Like, because I can't think of enemies, maybe minus our HOA or um, maybe minus, like, mosquitoes or, like, my mortal enemies. But I can't think of, like, someone that's, like, my arch nemesis or my enemy. Is that just me? I'm just, okay, cool, cool. It's just me, okay. Maybe you, you resonate with this more. But um, this quote by uh, Pastor Rich Velotis from the East Coast, he It actually put this into a deeper perspective for me. He says this, when I read the Psalms and come across language of foes, armies, and enemies, I realize that many of the enemies that surround and threaten me are often my own thoughts and words within. How powerful is this? In the face of our anxieties, in the face of our fears, our insecurities, our weaknesses, our shortcomings, our sins, the voices in our heads that tell us you are less than or worthless, God sets a table in front of those enemies and says, we already won. See, there will always be enemies that come against us from the outside and from within, but we're reminded that the good shepherd has a table prepared for us in the presence of our enemies, and so we don't need to be afraid. God's got us. Alexander McLaren, he says, this is the condition of God's servant, always conflict, but always a spread table, always conflict, but always a spread table. And so because God is my shepherd, I lack nothing because God is my shepherd. I fear nothing. And last thing, because God is my shepherd, I am loved. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you know how I know I'm in a really high-quality restaurant? My cup is never empty. For our anniversary last year, Krista took us to a Niku Steakhouse here in, in San Francisco, like the home of Wagyu. And um, I know, it was, it was a ball and meal. It was a ball and meal. It was really good. It was really good. But um, I knew I was in a fancy restaurant because literally every time I took a sip of water, I put my glass down. Like 30 seconds. I look back and it's full again. I didn't even see the waiter. I didn't hear the waiter. Like they just, they just know. They're following. It's like they're tracking your cup. And like every time you put it down, whoosh, and then they're out. They're not seen. They're not heard. But, but they feel your cup. The promise here isn't surely your goodness and love will follow me if I pray enough. It isn't surely your goodness and love will follow me if I read my Bible. It isn't surely your goodness and love will follow me if I never sin. The promise is surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, period. 
right? When I'm doing well, your goodness and love is here. When I'm falling apart, your goodness and love is here. In every season, your goodness and love chase after me, just like that waiter at Niku Steakhouse. I don't have to put out my cup. I don't have to make an effort. Your goodness and love is always chasing after me, filling my cup. I think oftentimes we overemphasize our ability to pursue after God and underemphasize God's never-ending pursuit of us. The Christian faith isn't founded on us seeking God. It's about a God who seeks us, that he is faithful even when we are not. And we waste so much of our lives trying to earn God's love and goodness when it's already ours. You couldn't escape it even if you tried. Because God is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I fear nothing. And I am loved. This is what it means to know God as our shepherd. Now, this week, um, my challenge to you, um, this is like your to-do list from the sermon, the application. I want you to start every day and just try this. Just start every day by just reading Psalm 23. Slowly. Like, you're not allowed to be like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. Like, no, like, like, slow down, chill, okay? I know you have a lot of meetings to go to, but to slowly read the words of this psalm and to, like, let it sink in your soul. You know, sometimes we read the Bible and we read it like an instruction manual or we read it like a, we don't really let the words sink into our soul. But my challenge to you is this, this week, start every day just reading the psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Read it slowly, chew on it, let it sink into your soul. Know the good shepherd who satisfies every need, who gives you rest, who leads you through the valley, who protects you, who sets a table in the presence of your enemies, whose goodness and love chase after you all the days of your life. And see how it transforms you. Um, Why don't we respond? Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful psalm, this beautiful image that you paint for us. We thank you, God, that you are our shepherd. We thank you, God, that you you know every step that we're going to take. There's no place where you haven't been. We thank you, Lord, that you have not abandoned us. You have not left us, but that you are with us. I pray as we go from this place and we go throughout our week that we would would know you as good shepherd. That every moment of our lives would be filled with the awareness that we have one who is leading me, who knows the way. So God, whatever area we need, whether it's we feel lack or we feel fear or we feel like we have to earn your love, wherever, whatever area you might have been speaking to our hearts today, I pray that you would remind us with the truth of who you are as Good Shepherd.